Welcome back to episode number 252 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are answering a help desk question on how to create a five-minute combustible dust training session. So this was a help desk question that came in a couple of weeks ago from a company health and safety manager asking to be provided a basic five to 10 minute training session for some of their teammates at a processing plant on combustible dust. So naturally, one of the first questions is, should you provide a five to 10 minute training session on combustible dust? Is this the best way to educate employees? Um, that was one of the first questions that I had come up. We're actually going to walk through this topic a bit in the episode today, break it down, break down some of the questions we asked to figure out if this is possible, if this should be done and also what kind of information we came up with if you were to go about doing this and what would this look like. So the feedback from the person who made the request is that the training sources he had found online were just way too much detail, too complicated, too long, too hard to understand. And he's just looking for something that was quick, kind of a quick tips, quick hits, understanding combustible dust. And so before we get into the episode, I want to do a mention a couple points. I was almost hesitant to give feedback on this ticket. From my position or my thought process at the time was it's just not possible to convey the necessary awareness of the hazard and the required steps to control the hazard in five to 10 minutes. And if you did, even if you were able to do that, you very much risk missing other important parts. There's one process, and that's kind of the route we went here, that you could educate on. Then you might just be concerned about that process and might miss that there's some you know, a big dust collector over there with an explosion vent panel pointed in an unsafe direction or some other type of aspect, ignition source control or something comes in. So it'd be very easy if you had this singular focus on this one area to miss something else on site, requiring a higher level training across the board for all your employees and team. So that was my, my first point that I was pretty hesitant to do this. I gave a couple of disclaimers before even getting into it. And I'll give these in this podcast episode as well. This is not engineering advice in any way. It's not a training program you should go roll out. You need to speak with a qualified individual to help you with that. It's almost impossible to recommend an effective training program without knowing your site. And it's certainly impossible to run an effective training program meeting the requirements of NFPA 652 within five minutes for training your employees. So with those disclaimers and those thought processes in mind, we'll talk a bit through what we came up with here. I figured this might be instructive to share on the podcast because you may be working with sites that need these short refresher trainings, some sort of quick, easy way to understand the hazards. And I thought it might be interesting to talk about. If you hate this idea, let me know. Send me an email, chris at dustsafetyscience.com. If you really like the idea, if you've done it another way to educate employees or team members, um, shoot me an email. It'd be nice to maybe have a follow-up podcast episode on this topic. And I am admitting and acknowledging up front that this is not the only way to do this, and it's probably not even the best way to do this. Um, it's just some of the thoughts and ideas that came to mind when we worked through this help desk ticket. So we asked a couple questions to try to box this in, and three things came up. One, the site handles several different powders. Most of the powders have KST uh, maximum rate of pressurized, normalized maximum rate of pressurized of less than 100 bar meter a second, and minimum ignition energies that are in the hundreds of millijoules. Whoever does handle at least one powder with a MIE of five millijoules and a KST maximum rate normalized pressure of 229 bar meter per second. So at least one of the dust on site is 
we'll call a low MIE dust and, and does have quite large explosion rates and has many different types of powders that meet the requirement of combustible dust with varying degrees of ignition sensitivity. That's the first thing that came up. The second thing that came up in asking some questions around this was the site does have explosion suppression and explosion protection equipment installed elsewhere or in different locations within the site. Then the third thing that came up is that the process that the individual is looking for specifically is a rather small process here. The process where they, they scoop into a bag of powder, they weigh that powder out in a booth, which the dust that forms is low and that's pulled away from the employee using suction. They then take that weighted bag and load it into a large tank of water. They have instructions on grounding of all containers, not pouring the chemicals too fast to create a dust cloud or not pouring the powders too fast to create a dust cloud and the likes. And they do have ignition source control in place. Those were the three kind of things that came out was we have lots of different powders on site. The site does have explosion protection elsewhere, but the system that they're talking about in trying to get this five to 10 minute training is an isolated system where they're scooping, weighing and dumping powders. The concern that the person that reached out has was that they pulled some of the employees or at least one of the employees on site about what to do if there's a spill of that powder. Um, and they weren't sure. They didn't know that they couldn't use a shop back or that they need to use a, a rated vacuum system. That's why they're looking at understanding and developing this, this kind of quick tips training. I would identify again that if an employee doesn't know the answer to the question of how to clean up the dust, that does suggest a pretty serious issue in the training program overall for both combustible dust and standard work practices. Potentially, the standard work practices have not been vetted correctly and outlined correctly to the employees for how to handle combustible dust. So, you know, take that big step back, that could be and, and is an issue here. But assuming we do have, you know, workplace work practices in place, and it's about educating that point about how to use that work practice, then this five-minute refresher session might be useful. So after digging in and understanding the process a little bit more, I reiterated my point that this is not engineering advice, and that five to 10 minutes is not enough for full training to meet the requirements of NFPA 652 to train your employees on understanding hazards of combustible dust and that they should have a dust hazard analysis completed by a qualified person that would include instructions on the explosion protection systems, assessment of ignition source control requirements, programs for fugitive dust control and housekeeping, and instructions on how to respond to spills and other emergency processes as well, outlining a dust hazard analysis. So assuming you did have all that addressed, you had the correct explosion protection systems, you had ignition source control in place, had a fugitive dust control plan, emergency response plan, outlined, and you did have some sort of maybe annual training that met the requirements of NPA 652 for awareness of combustible hazards, you had all those in place, and you may be in a good spot to have a five, 10 minute easy to digest refresher. And then I went through about how they might go about doing that. So that's the background. It took me seven and a half minutes to get to this point. <laughs> but if you were to do a five minute training, and I'm not sure you should, unless you have all those other things in place, this is what this might look like. Again, this is really just to be useful to generate some ideas for how to use it in your own work, to maybe generate some feedback if some other people want to provide discussions around this topic. How do we train employees? Long, slow methods, fast, quick methods. How do we relay the information, understand the hazards, have that awareness, understand the knowledge they need to keep facilities safe and actually facilitating different work practices being used. Um, this is really more of a discussion starter. So here's the five steps, I guess four steps, 
that I recommended for a five-minute training video on this dump process, given all those other things being in place and the disclaimers I put in place. Step one is to start with an educational video. We did a podcast episode back in episode 242, 10 videos to demonstrate and educate about dust explosion hazards. And one of the ones I mentioned there was the exploding birthday cake video. This is a really good one. It's, um, I can't remember the, the kid's name, maybe Ben, and he's, I don't know, it's like his seventh or eighth birthday or something. And his grandmother brings out this cake that is just layered with powdered sugar on top. And he, he heaves back and gives it a big blow and has a, a pretty sizable fireball kind of flashback in his face. The reason this is a useful video is one, he doesn't get hurt. He laughs it off. It's kind of scary looking. Two, they have some people talk about uh, after the video, what a dust explosion is, what actually happened. The candles on the birthday cake igniting the powdered sugar, and then that powdered sugar, you know, igniting from particle to particle, given the concentration that was in that cloud that he created, and seeing that, that fireball flash off. I'd put a big note here, but I'm going to show this video, and, and I've done it a number of times, the presentations I've given. That's quite dangerous. It looks funny when that happens, and it looks like he doesn't get hurt, and he doesn't, so that's good. But if that, if it had been windy or if that was outside and that fireball kind of fell back on his face and he had the burning powdered sugar particles land on his skin, he could have pretty serious facial burns. That was a very close call, even though it's funny to watch and even though it's, you know, laughed off, it was a pretty serious close call that could have caused facial burns that could be with that kid for the rest of his life. So I always like to show the, when I show that video that it is funny, but to try not to downplay or normalize the risks associated with dust explosions. So that's going to take about two minutes to show that video. Step two, and this is optional, is you could show a video where people aren't so lucky. So we have a number of different options here. I gave some in, in this episode 242, previous on the podcast. There's a really good video with Kyle Flicker talking about his story about a rubber dust explosion in Blaine, Minnesota, I believe. You show him the Didion Milling Report, which is recently released by Campbell Safety Board the Brody Richardson story from up here in Canada going through a grain dust explosion. There's lots of cases where people have been injured in dust explosions and you may be able to pull a quick video to show that there to play against this, you know, kind of funny video with the exploding birthday cake. So that's step two. It's optional. Step three then is you go into some of your controls. In this case, I really pick out at least three. The one is the reasons that we have an SOP, a standard operating procedure for this scooping and dumping process. And the big part here is to avoid the creation of dust clouds. Don't dump the bag too fast. Don't scope the powders too fast. You really want to, as your first line of defense, avoid creating a dust cloud in the first place. The second line of defense is your ignition source control. And so this needs to be evaluated in your dust hazard analysis that you have the correct controls in place. And then the training needs to go and say, well, these are the correct controls. This is how you do it correctly. And this is why. And there's a really good video by Stonehouse Process Safety, which I'll include in the show notes here at dustsafetyscience.com slash 252. In this video, they show one of the employees at the lab there, at Stonehouse's lab, um, walking you know, on the carpet, going into the lab, taking a screwdriver and touching one of the metal plates. And you actually see the, the spark arc from the screwdriver to the metal plate. And I think they have a measuring device there and it actually shows you the measurement of how powerful that spark was. And it's a pretty strong spark <laughs> that's generated there. And that, if you then take that number and just compare it to the MIE of your dust, you can go, that spark was enough to ignite a cloud of this dust. And likely in the case of the material handle of this site that had the five millijoule minimum ignition energy, that spark would have been strong enough to light a to ignite a, a cloud of that dust. 
Um, so that's a really good video to show if you have these low MIE dust. Now, if you don't have low MIE dust, then you might need other ignition source control. And those are what you should be evaluating in this next couple of minutes. So you have five minutes to really evaluate the controls. One is the correct process to avoid creating a dust cloud. Two is the correct process on ignition source control. And after that, I think the next point is really talk about upset conditions. So NFPA 652 has specific requirements for how to deal with spills. So you want to make sure your program, your emergency response program, or your um, response to spills program meets those requirements. The dust hazard analysis should outline this. This is where you go into explaining why those are required. If you need an explosion-safe vacuum system that's not going to ignite the dust, you can talk about why that's needed. But really, you need to have the process in place to have the procedure first before this training, and then the training is going into that procedure. So those would be your different steps there. As bonus material, I'll call this step four, I'd strongly recommend covering emergency response to fires. We see very often that the inability to identify a fire, to respond to it adequately or recover from a fire out of sight handling combustible dust leads to an escalation causing explosion. And unfortunately, that's when you're going to have employees in the work area responding to that fire at that time. And that's when you have large injuries and, and fatalities happening. So again, your dust hazard analysis should include emergency response, although many don't, unfortunately. But if it does, it, sh or it should, and it should have a plan in place on how to tackle fires, how to identify, respond, and recover from fires at your site. You want to make sure employees are trained on those processes, what PPE to use, when to stop biting the fire, when to bring the fire department in, what types of fire extinguishers to use, what types of materials to use, avoiding creating dust clouds when you're doing that response, when to turn machinery back on, where to stand while you're, respond, while you're responding. Don't stand outside beside the dust collector. Don't put the control panel under the dust collector. There's all these things coming into play in an emergency response scenario. But you want to make sure that that's documented, that you have a process, and then train your team against that process. So that's it. That's your kind of five, minute, ten, five to 10 minute training video that I would suggest, or at least some elements of it. There's likely more than these to be included there. How might you change this process? What are some alternative things you might do? So one is you could use a live demo. I talked with Dr. Chris Bloor a couple of years ago on the podcast about this. He says he doesn't do training anymore unless he does a live demo because people just don't believe him. They don't believe or understand the hazards unless you actually do a demo. So a couple notes here, and this is not engineering advice. Don't go get yourself hurt. Some things I've seen that are mistakes when you do this sort of thing. Do it outside in a well-ventilated space. Don't do it inside. You don't want to cause a secondary explosion while you are trying to do a demo. That's not good. Uh, make sure people are wearing correct PPE, eye protection, and, and more. Make sure the person that does the demo knows what they're doing so they don't hurt themselves or hurt others. The last thing you want to do is really hurt somebody while you're doing a demo on a dust explosion to try to avoid getting hurt. But you could throw a live demo in there instead of doing the birthday cake. You could even try to create the birthday cake scenario. <laughs> I've never done that, but that might be a good one with the powdered sugar. Again, don't hurt yourself, please. And I'm not taking any responsibility if anybody does do this. They, they should be aware of what they're doing and have correct protection equipment on. Option number two is chemical safety board videos. These are often much longer, more technical in nature, but really nice to be able to sit down and just play the video and then create some you know, question and answer, have some discussion around what happened in the video. That's a really good way to go. And option number three would be to have somebody come in and do a proper you know, one to two day, maybe even a half day, but probably one to two day training session for your entire team. Uh, we get this request almost monthly now in dust safety professionals to have a training program uh, rolled out to large companies or even small companies. These are usually a one to two day training program. That individual that gives you that training program will likely also create some refresher material for you 
could do some of these five minute pop-up videos or five minute quick hit trainings, quick tips, that sort of stuff. Have these refreshers throughout the year as well. That might be an option. So that's it for this kind of fun episode of the podcast. Again, we covered what the initial request was here. The many, many disclaimers I gave before giving a five-minute recommendation on a five to 10-minute convulsive training video. Hopefully, I try to relay that strongly enough before or in this podcast episode. Um, some of the questions and answers we were focusing on in the scoop and dump process, a mock five to 10-minute training, including an educational video, uh, potentially an optional not-so-lucky video, the need to follow the SOP to avoid creating dust clouds, need to follow the standard operating procedures to avoid ignition source that are strong to ignite the dust and the need to follow the standard operating procedures and emergency response procedures to deal with spills and fires. We close though looking at some other options as well. Again, this is provided more for food of thought rather than a strict curriculum. Don't go training all your employees based on this five minute video, but it's meant to kind of generate some thoughts, give you some ideas. If you have some more input you'd like to see, or if you want to come talk about how you've done this in the past, shoot me an email, chris at dustsavyscience.com. We'll get you on the podcast and we'll talk about it at a later date. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing. The industry's handling combustible dust, making it safer with the work you're doing out there. Keep it up.